It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills and Joey Madore. From the studios of WATH, this is the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting, 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. 6.06 on the clock on this 23rd day of June. Mills and the Mike along with Joe Vidor, and we got you all the way up until 7 o'clock today. No Reds today. They've got the off day, and they take on the Braves tomorrow. 74 degrees and sunny outside in southeast Ohio, and again, it is the sports fan. Joey, it's uh, a good, what is today, Wednesday? Tuesday? I don't even know what day of the week it is. It's hump day, isn't it? The 23rd, uh, middle of the week right now. Yeah, it's right and in front of your face there. Well, it is. I don't have the day. It doesn't, you know, these summer it days all kind of Wednesday mesh. Wednesday the 23rd right there on the screen. Oh, well, all right. So I, I got the uh, MLB uh, website pulled up. But, yeah, I mean, it is the 23rd day. It, it is a Wednesday. And it's, uh, you know, again, middle of the week. Uh, good week so far. Uh, better weather than we've seen in the past. And, uh, you know, things are, uh, first off, how are you? Things are, first off, how are you? Well, first, uh, before we get into things, I want to ask how you are. Doing well. Uh, another nice day outside. Got to sit outside a little bit earlier. It's been uh, a nice, refreshing after that uh, the downpour of Monday. A um, couple of nice days. Not too hot out either. Right. Uh, it was weird last night. I was walking home uh, a little bit later. It was like 40 degrees outside. It was freezing. I needed that sweatshirt. It's almost July here in, a, in, you know, a little over a week now. There it is. It is. Can't believe it. Summer's going by uh, pretty quick. We're not into July yet, but uh, you know, it's coming up pretty quick. Definitely getting there. And, you know, it, it's been a, um, a year where you've seen a lot of different things. And, um, you know, obviously last year was a little bit weird. This year, and in baseball, really, it's uh, kind of weird with the, the new rule change coming in the middle of the year. And on Monday, MLB started to crack down on sticky substances on pitchers and umpires are now required to go up to the pitchers and you know, really uh, inspect them, right? Almost, uh, you know, frisk them and see, you know, do they have any sticky stuff on their hat? Is there anything in their belt? Is there anything on their glove, their shirt? Whatever Only it is. Only their suspicion, though. Well, no, I mean, it's it's required to check, right? I mean, the, there are mandatory checks throughout the game, whether it be... Well, a let's face it, if a guy's getting shelled, you're not checking him for, for substances on his hand. But... Or hat or anywhere else. I mean, after the first you're, inning... If you're pitching well, that's the only time you're going to get inspected. Well, it, it's... The way that I understand it is that the umpires have to check the starting pitchers you know, after the first inning or sometime close to you know, the first inning, whether they go out onto the mounds. Uh, but sometime during that first inning, I believe they have to check the I don't starter. think it's a requirement. I think it's at their discretion. They're well, just cracking down on it or whatever. Again, I think it was something where you know, relievers have to be checked after their outing. Starting pitchers have to be checked sometime during their start, even if they're getting chilled. Um, you know, they, they still have to uh, go out there and check them, I believe. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they have to go out there and check. And I, I mentioned these checks because yesterday we really saw you know, the, the tempers kind of flare uh, between starting pitchers, umpires, and opposing managers. More specifically, it was in the game between the Washington Nationals and the Philadelphia Phillies as the Nationals uh, had Max Scherzer out in the mound. Scherzer was looking pretty good. His spin rate was down. But Joe Girardi of the Philadelphia Phillies 
specifically asked the umpires to check Scherzer during uh, you know one of the innings, and Scherzer you know, reluctantly gave up his hat, gave up his glove, allowed them to check the inside of the belt, and what Joe Girardi had asked was for Max Scherzer's hair to be checked because he well, that was after two checks to begin with, right? And that was the third check, right? So Scherzer was checked two times prior. And I believe it was the fifth inning when he was being checked for this third time. And umpires had to go through his head, and he took off his hat. Umpires kind of you know, rubbed his hair a little bit to check, but they, they got nothing but sweat, which uh, that's a whole other issue in and of itself. But yeah, you're asking grown men to, to comb through another guy's hair, and that's, uh, you know, it's got to be uncomfortable for the umpires who haven't done that in the past. It's got to be uncomfortable for the player who's getting checked. And he embraced it. He told him to check. He started taking his belt off, too, he said. Right. And even the White Sox, I, I don't know who was pitching for the White Sox, but the White Sox player was ready to pull his pants down in front of right. how many, many people were in this stadium. Right, right. So it's, it's been a huge mess. Uh, you know, kind of enforcing this throughout the first week, and this has just started for Monday. And sometimes you get pitchers who it's easy. Right, they give up the hat, the glove, they check the belt, whatever, and and they're they're done with the check, and it takes all of you know fifteen, thirty seconds. Other pitchers will make more of a commotion about it, like Scherzer did a little bit yesterday, and uh, it took a little bit longer, and he got checked three times. But it's interesting the way that Joe Girardi had asked the umpires to check Scherzer because you know, he thought that Scherzer was using something. And obviously, with the spin rate being down for Scherzer compared to what he had been in the past, he was, uh, you know, you can infer that he was using some kind of sticky substance, whether it be, you know, sunscreen and rosin, or if it was, you know, the uh, spider tack stuff or anything that, that has a grip enhancer on it. Um, so whatever Scherzer was using in the past, he wasn't using in this ball game. And after the game, he comes out and says... Uh, you know, he was using the rosin and then just using the sweat on his head to try to get a better grip on the baseball. And he had one pitch to a batter on Philadelphia, and that pitch went up high and inside. And he talked about that after the game, saying, you know, he was surprised that Girardi asked to check on him that third time because of how close Scherzer came to hitting the batter in the batter's box. And not only hitting him, but hitting him high and inside. So after a dangerous pitch... Girardi was asking for the check on, and, and Scherzer didn't have anything the three times that he was checked. Uh, but it's just opened up a whole bunch of can of worms for Major League Baseball now. Uh, it's a new mess that you know, is piled on to the, the mess that started for baseball in the beginning with the cheating scandal with the Astros that kind of got pushed to the side because of the coronavirus last year. Um, you know, the, the debate with the collective bargaining agreement and designated hitter and stuff that's all coming up at the end of next year. Now you, you tack this on top of it. It's just been a mess of a year for baseball throughout the early goings here. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, it was, you know, quite a situation last night. Girard even got himself ejected because he started rushing the, uh, the, the Nats dugout because Scherzer, after the fifth inning he got out of it, was kind of staring him down in the dugout, and some other guys were barking at him. Uh, like I believe the Nats pitching coach, who also was uh, Girardi's pitching coach in New York for quite hitting, a long time, hitting, hitting coach Kevin Long was right. Yeah. Uh, so he was running at him, saying, "Come on, if you want to, you know, insinuating that they were going to go after it or something." <laughs> um, 
yeah, it was just, I don't know. It's, it's just hilarious to me that this uh, Commissioner Manfred is uh, the guy who's all about speeding up baseball, yet is the guy who wants to have a pitcher get checked three separate times throughout a game because that doesn't slow down the pace of play at all. Um, it, it's, a, it's, uh, it's um, I don't know. I don't know quite how to feel about it. Uh, baseball, uh, like, uh, was baseball an awful game to people this year before before we started doing these checks? Now it's a, now it's a pure game all of a sudden. I mean, look at that game last night. Supposedly you're not cheating anymore. It's a three to two game, and we're we're saying that these pitchers have such this dominant advantage. I just think uh, it, it's getting a little bit overblown with everything, and these constant checks. I mean, they're they're going to get silly after a while, and you're going to see these pitchers. I mean. Imagine if Scherzer goes out there and gets checked three more times the next time he pitches. It's going to be, you know, it's only going to tick him off more and more. Um, so it's, I guess, maybe something they got to work the kinks out. I think if you're leaving it up to, uh, you know, the umpire's got to check him at their discretion at least a couple times, a starter a game, and then the reliever too. It's just like, if we're going to do this, at least let the pitchers know when, and I guess that's supposed to be, you know, the whole problem, if you, if you don't let them know when, then they can get back to using it. But just come up with some kind of universal protocol to take care of this situation because it, it's a mess. Like, just randomly after anything, you know, sure, just walk off the mound. He's like, hey, come here. We got we to come look at you. Uh, like, that would, that would get me riled up as a pitcher, too, if I know, one, that I'm not even using anything, and two, I'm trying to get into a groove out there, and you're stopping me every other inning to check my glove and hat and everything else in between. Right. It will probably throw them off their rhythm, right? I mean, it's... It's something that disrupts the pace of play. If it's done in the middle of the inning, like it was done for Scherzer yesterday, and that was because Girardi thought that he was using something because of the way that he was hit, you know, rubbing going his, to his ha- head. He, he, he was. He yeah. said something like he never rubs his hair like that. It's like how how closely does Joe Girardi watching Max Scherzer pitch every time he does? I mean, right. I mean, it's again. It, it's it's if you're a, sweaty. Any person doing anything, not just playing baseball, if you're sweaty, you're wearing a hat. You take your hat off and wipe your head to get the sweat out of the way. Like it's, right. it's that's common human behavior. And here's I kind of fall in the middle on this whole sticky substance situation, right? I believe that pitchers should have some way to grip the ball so that they don't they have control of it. Where it crosses the line is where that grip also enhances the the spin rate on the ball which makes it you know go in every which direction right i mean if your curveball was only moving one to two inches and it moves now five inches because of the increased spin rate you know that that's a problem but that's not something to improve your grip that's something to make the ball drop further right and that's where i draw the line once you're you're influencing how fast the ball spins unnaturally because of the, the grip enhancer, that's what has to be cut out of baseball. What shouldn't be cut out of baseball is allowing the pitcher to have a good grip on the ball that they're given. Because the Major League Baseball, and they, baseball admitted, MLB admitted that they were changing the ball year in and year out. Right? I mean, they changed the ball. I don't know if they increased the seams, they decreased the seams, they made it tighter, they made it looser, whatever it is. I mean, there's no standard baseball that is used from you know, 2015 through 2020 or 2021. I mean, there's no standard for it, right? 
It's all made by the same company, but year in and year out, you can get a different baseball, and you can even get a different baseball in the middle of the, of, of the game. Right? One ball ha- has a bump on it. One ball has this. One ball was rubbed the wrong way uh, prior to the game. This ball has dirt on it. This ball doesn't. I mean, he's, you see them after the bat touches the ball almost every time that they're going and asking for a new ball anyway. So if there's one consistent factor that Major League Baseball can use for their pitchers so that they can grip each ball equally, I'm all for that. If they want to use you know, the, the combination of sunscreen and rosin, if they're telling us that sunscreen does not increase the spin rate of it, but it just increases the grip, that's fine. You know, And you want pitchers to be able to go out there and have a good grip on the ball and know where it's going once it leaves their hands. Man, it, that's just a health and safety thing, right? You don't want that ball to go 99 miles per hour up and inside on the batter and risk any injury. And it doesn't even have to be up and inside. It could be right in the middle of the chest. It could be down at the leg. I mean, you can be injured if it's on the hands. You could be injured by getting hit with a ball that's going 99 miles per hour. And these pitchers are throwing the ball harder and harder these days. So now, you know, allowing them and have it standardized, standardized throughout baseball. This is the grip that you are allowed to have and use. This is the, the substance that you're allowed. If it's sunscreen and rosin, and what happened? I mean, we're, we're in the middle of the summer right now, Joey, right? Mm-hmm. Are, are you going to refuse to have pitchers using sunscreen? Does somebody have to apply the sunscreen to the pitcher and just leave out their hands? Right? I mean, it's... Well, you know, are they supposed different. to be wearing Applying a bigger sunscreen hat? sunscreen a little different than well, but, putting on your hand. At, on, but you, you get my, my question there, right? If, if a player is to apply sunscreen so they don't get burnt during the game, right? I mean, they sure. still have some skin exposed. They have their face exposed. They could be burnt during the game. Would you want your pitcher having to deal with sunburn every fifth day? Well, no, I, mean, I think they can still wear sunscreen. They just can't use it to grip a pitch is what we're getting at. Right. Now, I guess the gray area comes if you come out and you check the guy and you just look at his skin and you say, well, I saw you rub your arm last inning, so you must be using it. Then who knows? I mean, umpires can't manage many situations in the game already, so that, that should be a fun one if that ever arises. And, and on top of that, right, let's, and it, let's use the Max Scherzer example from, from last night. Scherzer is wiping the sweat from his head mm-hmm. because it is hot. If it's a day baseball game and Max Scherzer is wearing sunscreen so he doesn't get burnt and he wipes the sweat from his head, now he has sunscreen on his forearm. Now what happens? You have to have a towel and clean it off? Does he get ejected immediately? Because right. yeah, who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's... But you see how silly that these things are? And how they silly they can become? Yeah. I mean, we just went down a slippery slope of what-if possibilities. It hasn't happened yet. I mean, nobody's been ejected from the game yet because of a, a foreign substance on their hand, a grip-enhancing substance uh, for the ball. But it, it's, it's those what-if situations that are driving people crazy right now and have led to reactions like Max Scherzer had, like... Uh, the Chicago White Sox pitcher had last night. I thought Scherzer was good. I really thought he played into it quite well when oh, he yeah. started, you know, undoing the belt. That that's that's good entertainment there. Oh, yeah. I that's what you have to do. It's just you know, once you know. I mean, I, I understand the frustration. You know, it was it was three times in three innings. <laughs> and I also understand 
I guess, the concern a little bit from Joe Girardi, right? Major League Baseball is cracking down on the on the grip and enhancing substances, and he thought my, that my Scherzer was my, using one. See, my question comes is if we don't have this whole magnifying glass on this problem now, is Joe Girardi sending the umpires out there to check him for just wiping his head? I mean, he probably gets checked once. Right? I think no, Girardi- I, I'm saying in... It's not every game you're seeing an opposing manager before, maybe now, asking to go check a guy for something. Well, do you remember it happened? I believe Girardi was the manager during this time, but Michael Pineda had pine tar. Well, he was a Yankees and manager. It, well, yeah. And, you know, Pineda was pitching for the Yankees, and I think he was pine tar, and it was a hot day, and pine tar was dripping down his neck. Uh, so, I mean, that was an well, obvious question. Everybody, on, everybody on TV saw it. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, in and that. The broadcasters instance, commented on like two innings before he even got thrown out of the game. <laughs> I mean, they enforced it there when it was blatantly obvious. Right. And now they're enforcing I'm the things that are not obvious. Without this, without this rule in place, is Joe Girardi going to look at him wiping his head and say, oh, maybe he's got some up there. We better go check. I think it's a good question. It is a good question. And, and I wonder, is that going to be now required for umpires? Are they going to study this case and be like, all right, well, Girardi says that there could be something in his hair so now, to be fair to the rest of Major League Baseball, we are now going to be taking our hands and rubbing it through the hair. That was so weird, man. Did you see that? Yeah. Poor I'm... Scherzer, too. He has the bald spot. He had to keep taking his hat off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, what if it, the pitcher's bald? Are they still going to go out and, and rub his head? Or are they just going to look at his head? That could be the ultimate disguise there if you're bald, maybe. Your well, head's shiny anyway, so you put some stuff up there. And, <laughs> and, and uh, it's... They have so many different factors going on with with this whole uh, sticky substance issue. And I do draw the line, like I said, when it enhances the spin rate on the baseball, that's when it becomes illegal. When it just allows you to grip the ball so you can locate your pitches better and it doesn't have any effects on the spin rate or the, the amount of, you know, distance that your breaking pitches travel, you know, when, when it's stuff like that, you know, I would say that you can allow that. But now at the end of this year, Joey, the biggest question for baseball is, is there going to be a work stoppage? Are they going to strike again? Well, there's many other issues that's going into that. But you have to imagine that this issue is going to be at the top of the list for Major League Baseball. And not even, I mean, now you can see the players' union kind of cracked about it. Because Chris Bryant yesterday goes on record and says... That you know he he uh, you know believes that it's the right thing to do to check these pitchers and to crack down on the substances on the hands because he he thought it was uh, ridiculous that they weren't doing it before and and I don't know if he felt he was cheated I can't remember the exact words that he had but he's in support of cracking down on pitchers using it so now you have a, a, a distance between not only the owners of the baseball teams. But now, within the players' union, which has been pretty strong in the past with the pitchers and, and the hitters. But now, in this instance, yeah, you could probably, yeah, probably see separation. probably got some different opinions there, <laughs> within locker rooms even. Right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, everybody kind of has their own opinion on this one. Um, and I think that's why you need to have just a, a universal across-the-board set of, you know, maybe not even, like, rules of what, but, like, at least guidelines for umpires to follow, you know, um, because we all know umpires love, umpires are at the, especially at the major league level, they love the power. I mean, really umpires at all levels because you go to high school games sometimes and you get an umpire that 
really want you to know he's there and working. Um, <laughs> he's making his paycheck. Right, right, right. Uh, and especially like that at the major league level. I mean, these guys, they love to feel like they're, you know, I can't, can't really think of a word to equate it to. Um, but, you know, umpire, there's a lot of umpires out there that they, they, uh, their egos are massive. Um, and, you know, they like to police the game and make, make sure that you know their presence is felt. And this is just another way to add on to that, unfortunately, um, because now you have these guys can literally stop a pitcher at any point, probably any four of them, too, and if they see something, can call time and, you know, walk out there and check the glove, check the pad, and, you know. It, it's just how many failed attempts do you think it will take before there's an uproar of how ridiculous this is? Uh, I think we're talking about it on a Wednesday, and the rule went into effect on Monday. <laughs> That's true. So I think pretty short. <laughs> People are going to have a short fuse uh, regarding, you know, the uh, – and it's not performance enhancing. I mean, it's the, the grip enhancing um, stuff. And, again, I mean, it's – on one hand, it makes sense. You want the pitchers to grip the ball correctly. On the other hand, you don't want it to affect the way – or the skill level of that pitcher. So it's a tightrope that you have to balance, and Major League Baseball just outlawing everything has now have the, the players upset. It's got, I'm sure, the umpires upset. I don't think any umpire wants to take their hands, and I, I keep on saying it, but you know, do you want to go out there and rub somebody else's head? Right? Do you want to have to... Sweaty, sweaty head, too. Yeah. That. Mm. I mean, you're talking about a hot night at the nation's capital. No one wants to deal with that. No. Nobody wants to, to take their hands and rub it through your hair and yeah. see if you have any. And what happens if you do have a substance on there? You think the umpire wants to get his hands sticky, too? Also, like, if it is drenched in sweat, how do you tell if there's a substance on, in his hair? It, it, it's just all wild. Right. Crazy situation going on in Major League Baseball. Uh, we'll, we'll give it a week. We'll see what happens next Wednesday. We'll see if there's any more situations that pop up like Max Scherzer or the White Sox pitcher. And even I, I saw I was scrolling through Twitter and somebody, and I don't know why. I mean, somebody has, this is to be said, a lot of people online, but somebody had way too much time on their hands and they responded to every single tweet, I think, on the Oakland Athletics team or on the uh, whichever team it was. But this guy tweeted out about you know the player pulling down his pants out in front of everybody on, on the fields, which obviously is a bigger separate issue. Like, are you now going to move and check the pitchers inside the tunnel? Is that a smarter move? I think the location of where you do the check, the time of where you do the check, and how you do the check are all being scrutinized by fans, players, and administrators. And I think things will change come this time next week. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm honestly real curious to see how far some of these checks begin to go. Yeah. I mean, it's, you can hide it anywhere. I mean, I can remember. I can't remember the picture. It, it was a clip from a long time ago, but the, the guy had the the stuff in his back pocket. So like, I don't think I've seen made, anybody check the back a, pocket. They made yet. him pull his back pockets out. That's when the whatever he had fell out of there, and <laughs> then he got caught. And so, <laughs> yeah. And then people got smarter, I guess. They hit it a little bit better, and now you're saying everything's outlawed. He will be checked, and uh, people are upset. Not all, not everybody. Chris Bryant's pretty happy about it. I'm sure most of the hitters in Major League Baseball are happy about it. 
because now they don't have to worry about a curveball that's, you know, dropping off the table, starts in the zone and bounces in the dirt. Or a slider that goes from one end to the other. But definitely, uh, definitely it's something to keep our eyes out, our eyes peeled about as that continues to uh, be a thing in baseball this year. Checks on pitchers, random times, and even managers challenging former hitting coaches, former friends, I gotta assume, to fight out in the middle of the fields. That was a good thing. I think a lot of people thought in the last point about this whole Scherzer and Nationals and Philly thing, but uh, when Joe Girardi took the field, I think a lot of people thought he was yelling at Max Scherzer because yeah, he stared at yeah. him. People uh, thought that was a bit out of line there. And you got to give credit to John Boy, though, on Twitter, because John Boy pointed it out that Kevin Long was you know, drawing at uh, Joe Girardi. Kevin Long was in the dugout for the Washington Nationals, and you know, Girardi and Long were coaches together for, uh, for the New York Yankees back. Girardi fired him. Yeah, <laughs> in 2009. And I guess, uh, you know, Girardi was saying K. Long for Kevin Long, and he's called him K. Long prior to. And I thought it was pretty good, uh, you know, investigative work by John Boy to say and show that you know, Girardi was not all that of a bad guy. He was responding to the guy who was yelling at him. Why explain who John Boy is? I feel like most people... Well, John, John Boy is... I don't know what his actual name is, but he started and rose to prominence a little bit on Twitter, starting with the whole Houston Astros cheating scandal. He's the guy who goes out there and takes a certain clip during a television broadcast or a certain clip of video anywhere. Yeah, he and mostly will break down arguments or just kind of... You know, weird plays or situations, but he lip he, reading. Yeah, he, he likes to break down an argument between a player, or coach, and ump or play coach, and you know, kind of, you know. But you have to clear give, up who, what everybody was saying and things like that. You have to give him credit though, because again, he went and saw Kevin Long yelling explicatives at Joe Girardi in the Washington Nationals dugout, and then, you know, he. Did a lip reading on Joe Girardi, and, and it showed that he was yelling at Kevin Long, saying K. Long instead of, you know, Max Scherzer, which obviously is a different way to pronounce it. So you're going to see different ways to, to pronounce those two names when you're trying to read somebody's lips. Um, so it, it shows that Girardi wasn't all that of a bad guy. Was he a little bit ridiculous going out there onto the field? Was it a little bit embarrassing for the Phillies? Maybe. But you like to see the fire. You like to see the passion. I didn't take too much of an exception to it, but I guess some people were upset about it. Um, but that's just who Girardi is. That was right on brand uh, with him. And for Reds fans, I don't think David Bell is going to go out there and, and challenge any former hitting coaches to a, uh, a duel out on the field. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Reds again have the day off today. They take on the Braves tomorrow. The Braves play the Mets tonight at 7-10. And we'll see what situation the uh, the Braves are going to be in heading into the series tomorrow. We'll take a quick break on the sports fan. Coming up, Jason Preston's impressing in the NBA Combine as that's uh, underway. That started earlier this week. As well as some, we'll talk a little bit about the Cincinnati Bengals. And if anybody has that answer to the trivia question to get the bobblehead for Mike Moustakis, looking for the team that the Reds beat back in 1869, you can Google the name. You can even Google it on air. We're looking to give away the Mike Moustakis bobblehead. Just give me the name of the team, the Reds beat, in 1869. 
for the first ever professional baseball game played. You'll take a look at the score, and you won't believe it. We'll send a quick break. We'll be right back after this. It's the Sportsman, presented by Jen K. Contracting at 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Wednesday. Corn dogs and regular hot dogs, 99 cents each. Open 10.30 a.m. until 9 p.m. Head on over to Larry's Dog House at 410 West Union Street in Athens. Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the sports fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. Did you know that most adults with autism are unemployed? And a major hurdle is the lack of job opportunities. That's why Autism Speaks is teaming up with Lee Container, the Jay Donald and Laurel Lee Family Foundation Fund, and delivering jobs to create a more inclusive workforce in the U.S. Are you an HR professional, community leader, or business owner? Join us in creating a workforce where people of all abilities can contribute and thrive. To learn more, visit autismspeaks.org employment. Welcome to Sweet Tea USA, where we know our sweet tea, and we like it sweet. Sweet in the morning to get you through the day, sweet in the evening to put a smile on your face. And McDonald's knows sweet tea, too. That's why you can get any size sweet tea for just a dollar. Plus, with insulated large cups, your drink stays cold longer. Here in Sweet Tea USA, everything is a little sweeter. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal as compared to prior large cup. Now, for more of the sports fan on 970 WATH. 740-592-6646. The number to call right here on the Sportsman. Up until 7 o'clock today, then CBS News follows us after. You can catch the Sportsman online anytime, anywhere. WXTQ.com slash WATH. And then everything, all our shows are uploaded to Anchor. You can find that uh, on Spotify, all your favorite podcast streaming platforms. You can get the Sportsman, listen to any episode at any time. Jason Preston, again, is impressing in the NBA draft combine. Preston had a vertical of 38 and a half. And uh, you know he has been looking pretty good so far, and uh, it was reported by Mike Schmitz. Uh, he tweeted out a video not too long ago, about an hour. Uh, Preston, and he, he states on here, Preston 6'4", point guard, shot at least 39% from three each of the last two seasons. Uh, great potential size and length with the 6'9 wingspan and an excellent feel for the game. And he's not the only one that has been kind of reporting on Preston. Uh, he's also caught the eye of Brandon Simberg, and Simberg says that Preston's been one of the standouts in the first pod today, and uh, Preston also made a pretty good-looking three-point shot from the left side of the arc. And, uh, again, we know how good Jason Preston is by watching him, by listening to Russ and Rob's broadcasts on Power 105, uh, but now Preston is doing this at an elevated level in the NBA Draft Combine. He's no longer going against guys are only in the MAC. He's not going against Cleveland State. He's going against the top talent in the nation, and he's impressing, which leads me to believe 
that you know maybe Jason Preston is not going to be here next year for Ohio. Uh, yeah, safe assumption there, Connor. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. You know me. I'm not one for hot take. <laughs> well, yeah, it's good to hear that he is going out and, and performing well. I mean, one thing, and it's good to hear this because one thing that um, always stood out in his time here was that that great feel for the game he had, and, and you know some of the passes he could fit into into tight windows, and you just in in bowl system he he ran it probably as perfectly as you possibly could. Um, you know, he was always a threat to have 10-plus assists while he, in his time in Ohio. He was always a triple-double threat, just a stat sheet stuffer while he was here. And um, you could always just tell that his passing ability was NBA level. I mean, he, he could go out there and, and you know, fit it through some windows that, that other guys just couldn't, and windows that you wouldn't even think were open. But he'd somehow get a, a perfect pass through that, that would set up a, his teammate for an easy lay-in or an easy three or whatever. He's a very gifted passer, and... Uh, so it's good to see that you know some of the some of the blue check marks on Twitter, if we want us to call them that, uh, are also recognizing uh, how talented of a player he is. And it's good to hear that he uh, was one of the more impressive guys in uh, in the pod that he was in today. Because like you said, he's out there facing you know the guys that are also going to be looking to get drafted uh, in the middle of July with him. Yeah, and it's it's like you said, the one question that uh, we've talked to multiple people. Right, who've watched Preston play, uh, you know, one former NBA agent. And, you know, obviously we, we talked to Ross Eisenstein a, a while back. And, you know, maybe the one knock on Preston's game was his scoring ability, right? You knew that he could pass. You knew that he had a great feel for the game, great court vision, you know, heart, hustle, everything, you know, Preston had it. Uh, but, you know, towards the tail ends, you know, the the shots just weren't falling for for Preston. Not like it was in that uh, Illinois game where he scored thirty points. Um, you know, it, it was that was the one thing I think at the end of this year that people said that Preston need to work on, just kind of developing his shot and uh, scoring more consistently in the ball game. And if Preston's going out here in this NBA draft combine and showing that you know his shot has improved and that he's draining some threes and that he's uh, you know facilitating the ball pretty well. I mean, that's all positive, and that's all things that maybe you could see Preston uh, late first round, maybe middle second round, middle to top of the second round, being drafted by a team this year. Is that a fair assumption to say? I mean, God, Connor, you're seeing two clips of him there, and you're just well, jumping him 30 spots potentially in the draft. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not, and I'm, again, he, he had a good day, right? He impressed today. Um, but again, if again, if he was able to develop that shot and he's draining his shots on a regularity, you have to imagine that he's moved up at least a couple of spots because of his performance today. No? Yeah, maybe we'll see. I'm not a, a GM. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good sign is probably that he is getting the good reports and that you know maybe it will help him end up getting drafted or it'll help him make the decision to stay or go or not. Um, but I guess you do make a good point there with the with the uh, more consistent outside shot because in today's NBA it's very tough to be a guard of any kind that doesn't have any kind of perimeter threat and you saw that when the 76ers went out this year and you know Ben Simmons uh, was getting crucified on Twitter for his lack of uh, perimeter threat that he offers as a as a point guard for them. Uh, Russell Westbrook at times has been you know 
as athletic of a freak he is and the triple doubles and the MVP he won and all the other things, he still get has his critics for his lack of, you know, being able to knock threes and even outside jumpers down at a high percentage. Uh, so it is a big part of today's NBA game for a point guard even or, you know, any a guard of, or one or two guard really to have to be able to be a, a serious threat from outside. Yeah. Yeah. One quick thing. I mean, I, I know I ended the sports fan. What was it yesterday or two days ago asking about Ben Simmons or Jason Preston? Which one would you pick? Kind of a ridiculous question at this point. But uh, I, I saw online a, uh, a video earlier today of Ben Simmons fishing. Right. And he was close. The ocean's right next to him. And uh, Simmons was throwing the fish back into the water. And it was brutal. He couldn't hit water falling out of that boat or something? No, I mean, he, he throws the fish, and it hits the ground. <laughs> he couldn't even throw it into the ocean. Oh, he missed geez. the vast ocean that was behind him. Why would you post that video, man? You can't, I, you it, can't do that to yourself. It might have been a while ago. Like, I don't know when that video was posted. <laughs> but it either, was not, either way. Yeah, I mean, he... No matter when it was. <laughs> he couldn't throw the fish into the ocean. Yeah, social media is brutal these days. You can't, yeah, you can't uh, be putting that out there. No. His PR guy should get fired for that one. <laughs> he just... Somebody had to go out and look online and erase any trace of that video <laughs> of him missing the ocean, throwing a fish back into it. Yeah. Um, so, But, again, it, it's very encouraging to see not only, again, not only Ohio talking up Jason Preston, because, again, we know how good he is. Uh, but now you're getting a couple of guys, a, a reporter for ESPN, the uh, NBA draft analyst, Mike Schmitz, talking highly about him, and another reporter in Brandon Simberg talking highly about Preston. So as you get more national attention, as you're getting more looks, as you're getting more exposure, you know, Preston continues to impress and impress, and it's increasing the likelihood that maybe we don't see Preston here next year. Now, the question I ask you, Joey, now is if Jason Preston talks with some kind of scout, some kind of NBA team, and says, hey, in the second round, at some point, you will be drafted. If he's guaranteed to be drafted by some team, and, you know, maybe the draft is never a guarantee, right? I don't know if, if scouts can guarantee anything. Uh, but if somebody gives him all, but, all the assurances that he is going to get drafted, into the NBA some point in the second round. If you're Jason Preston, do you take a second-round offer, or do you come back to college? Yeah, no, I think at this point, if you're getting drafted, you got to go. Um, I think him being a mid-major kid, you know, they generally aren't getting drafted too high anyway, unless you got, you know, John Morant's kind of an exception, but he was, everybody was a consensus, like, this kid's an athletic freak that's going to be just fine at the next level. Um, you know, I don't think coming back another year is going to raise his stock all that much uh, if he is able to get it up into being drafted this year because, you know, age means a lot to uh, NBA scouts and GMs. You know, the more age you have on you, the, the, they view that. You know, they view maybe an 18-year-old kid that's more of a raw talent, but he's coming out and they think they could build him in the first few years. I think they view that higher in the NBA than a 22-year-old, maybe slightly more polished kid, but um, maybe not quite as the athletic you know, freak as some other guys. So I think if you're in a p position to be drafted, he's got to go take it because I really don't think, you know, I don't think if he comes back next year, it, one, I don't know if it improves his stock all that much, no, no matter how great he plays. And two, um, you risk the injury, you risk, you, you know, all, all the other stuff that comes that comes with it. 
Yeah. I mean, the injury thing is the biggest thing, right? Because you, you don't know what's going to happen day in and day out. And if he gets that guarantee to be drafted, even, you know, I don't, does your opinion change if somebody says that you are probably a late second round draft pick? Because if the probably is in there, then maybe he doesn't get drafted. But if he goes through the draft, then he can't come back to college. Yeah. I don't You know, I think he's getting a G League deal regardless if he's, get, I don't know. It's, it, it all comes down to how he feels about it, really. Um, right. And we know. won't know until we ask him. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so if it's a probably, you know, then it, it comes down to him. Is it? Am I better off in, in the G League somewhere or playing over in Europe or something and still trying to pursue the NBA? Because it's clear he's knocking on the door. So if it's not this year, him getting drafted, you know, he an NBA team will probably pick up on him uh, next year or at some point if he continues to head in the trajectory that he has his whole career. I mean, he just gets better every season. Um, so... I don't know. I, I'm starting to lean more towards he's not coming back. Uh, it was even before uh, we, you know, we just talked about the reports of him having a really positive first day because um, I just think he is going to get drafted in the second round, and I, I, I don't see a reason to come back if you just, you know, that you got your ticket to the NBA already. It'll be a tell-all if he gets that uh, NBA agent, right? Because once he gets the agent... Well, you can't come back when you You can't come back, right. So once and again, he has till July seventh to decide if he's uh, backing out of the draft and coming back to school or not. And we might even hear—I mean, that's two weeks from now, the seventh. It is. So he's got two weeks to decide if he's going to, you know, stay within the process and try to get drafted into the NBA, or if he doesn't, go into the G League potentially or overseas. And then if he does not, if he decides that he he would like to finish out his collegiate career here at Ohio and then get drafted next year, probably, right? I mean, that's the projection that he, he'd be going on unless he gets injured. Um, you know, then then that, that raises the uh, you know, potential that he, he comes back. But we, we won't know until Preston makes his decision. And we'll, we'll probably get a better idea of what that would be after this NBA draft combine comes to a conclusion. Well. Either way, we've got to send it to another break at the end. And uh, Cincinnati Bengals talk coming up next. Joe Burrow adds and continues to impress with his velocity. And uh, Pro Football Focus says that Cincinnati has a uh, you know, about an average wide receiving core, but that's including the tight ends. I think if you look strictly at the wide receivers, uh, they are pretty good. You add the tight ends in there, and you know that might drop the, uh, drop the grading a little bit. But we'll talk about it coming up next. As this is the Sports Fan presented by JK Contracting on 970 97.1 FM WATH. Get the facts every hour at the top of the hour with CBS News Radio on Classic Hits 97 and 97.1 FM WATH. Weenie Wednesday. Corn dogs and regular hot dogs, 99 cents each. Open 10:30 a.m. until 9 p.m. Head on over to Larry's Doghouse at 410 West Union Street in Athens. Every day, people drive across bad railroad crossings without ever knowing the dangers that lurk down the track. Sight obstructions, overgrown vegetation, natural terrain that blocks the view of impending doom. It's not a matter of if, but when a train will strike another victim. You can help. Report bad railroad crossings at angelsontrack.org. That's angelsontrack.org. Because bad crossings 
Kill Good Drivers. Sponsored by Angels on Track. Aired by OAB in this station. Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the Sports Fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. This is the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Sports Fan 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. And if you have that answer to the trivia question earlier on, looking for the first game played, first professional game played, who'd the Reds beat? What is the name of the team? You got the name of the team, call in 740-592-6646, the year 1869, and I believe off the top of my head that was July 1st of 1869. It could also uh, be a different date, but it, I got the year right. Um, if you can name the team, you get the Mike Moustakis bobblehead, or we could trade out the Mike Moustakis bobblehead for maybe Shogo Akiyama or, uh, or, or somebody else. But... For the Cincinnati Bengals, football season's right around the quarter, and uh, Cincinnati has their wide receiving core at 12th, according to Pro Football Focus. Joey, you've got the rankings in front of you right there. Uh, you know, 12 is not a bad ranking. It's a little bit above average. Best in the division. And best in the division. According to Pro Football Focus. Not not too far behind them is Cleveland at 13. A little shocking. I mean, OBJ and Jarvis and, you know, obviously... Uh, uh, Rashard Higgins stepped up and played pretty well when uh, when when uh, OBJ went down last year, as well as Austin Hooper. But they give the Bengals a nod, even over them. Uh, the rest of the division, uh, nobody else really coming close. Where are Pittsburgh's the at 18. I was going to ask you about the Steelers, because they, they have uh, Juju Smith-Schuster still there, right? Right, and the Ravens are at 22, so... Uh, top, they give the top in the league to the Buccaneers. I think it's obvious, uh, you know, Chris Godwin... Uh, Mike Evans. Mike Evans. Yeah. So Scotty Miller had a big year last year for Brady. Antonio Brown is still down there. And quick, of course, it's still the tight ends in Gronkowski and OJ Howard. So, you know, pretty loaded. So, quick tidbit on that, right? I was asked when Lucas was still hosting the sports van back in the day, Lucas asked me and said, Which wide receiver would you rather have? Odell Beckham Jr. or Mike Evans? You said Mike Evans. I said Mike Evans. Yeah. I thought that Mike Evans was the better wide receiver. Uh, I still think that he is the better wide receiver, and I'm pretty sure statistically he would be the better wide receiver, right? <laughs> so I had to throw that in there. Go ahead. But anyway, yeah, Cincinnati. Do we think it's a fair ranking at 12 mid uh, before the season? Uh, some of the other teams that might raise some eyebrows, I suppose, that were put in front of them. I mean, I think the top five are pretty self-explanatory. You got Denver Broncos. Uh, Cortland Sutton, of course, pretty well. Jerry Judy, a good rookie season, along with K.J. Hamler down there. Uh, the 49ers, obviously very banged up last season. But Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk had a good rookie season. George Kittle, of course, big part, because tight ends are included in the passing attack. And uh, this one we, we kind of talked about a little bit before the show. Um, the Giants, 
in front of them. But also, the Giants made some pretty key uh, offseason additions in Kenny Galladay and then uh, brought in Kyle Rudolph at the tight end position as well. But the Bengals sitting at 12, I think it's a pretty good nod, honestly. Uh, thinking you haven't even seen Jamar Chase play an NFL snap yet. Uh, T. Higgins will only be entering his second year, albeit the rookie season was quite promising. Tyler Boyd has had some some pretty darn good season, pretty consistent player. Um, I think what mainly brings the, uh, and they kind of highlight this in the article, what mainly brings the Bengals' attack down going into the season would have to be the tight end group. Um, you know, the tight end posted a receiving grade, according to Pro Football Focus, of just 51.1 last year, which is was good for 29th in the league at that position. Uh, of course, those were Drew Sample and C.J. Uzama. Those two are both in return with Thaddeus Moss as well. Um, Sample had 40 catches for just uh, 349 yards a year ago, no touchdowns. So obviously the, the tight end group is going to give you a bit of a, a dent in your ranking there. But coming into the season, I think, uh, you know, top of the division, top half of the league, uh, receiving core for uh, your returning banged-up quarterback. So hopefully, you know, that can help him out a little bit and – you know, I, I think it's a fair ranking. I don't think there's any reason to, you know, go too crazy yet since we haven't seen what this group can do together. I think there, the potential is there, but they have to put it all together in a in a regular season. That's where we're going to have to wait and see. And then you also have Auden Tate, who I'm still very high on him. Uh, he's he's come in. He didn't really get too many opportunities, only 14 catches last year. But his rookie season, when some guys were banged up, he was playing quite a bit. And he made some spectacular uh, catches. Uh, he's a, he's a catch-in-traffic kind of guy. And hopefully they can get him incorporated in the offense this year as well. Right. And not only, I mean, I, I know the running backs aren't included on that, but for the majority of the season last year, Joe Mixon did not play. But Mixon has been known to be able to catch the ball pretty well coming out of the backfields. Uh, so that was another kind of weapon that you know Cincinnati just didn't have uh, at, at their disposal. So I think with you know the addition of Jamar Chase, with the return of, of both Joes, Joe Mixon and well, Burrow. this is only talking about receivers now. They don't oh, need to right. bring up the running backs. Well, no, I'm, and, and I mentioned we're that not talking about the offense as a whole. We're talking about receiving cores. And and for the receiving core, again, I I, I think it's one of the top receiving cores in the NFL. I'm a little well, bit what, surprised. What you, what you, top. What, what, well, top. I mean, it, I I like the ranking of 12. Right, I agree. If you're going to include the tight ends inside the receiving core, uh, the tight ends kind of bring that down a little bit. I'm interested to see what Thaddeus Moss can bring to the table, especially since it's a little bit of a reunion, uh, not only with you know Jamar Chase and Joe, but Thaddeus Moss and Joe. Um, so what if they can get that connection going, I don't know if Thaddeus Moss is going to make the team or not, um, but if they're able to get something, some kind of production out of tight ends, that's of course is encouraging. Uh, Jamar Chase is supposed to be pretty high talent, especially with the deep threat for the deep ball, and with the improvement on the velocity on the ball that, that Joe has been reported to have. Uh, you know that could increase and open up the passing game even more for other uh, other receivers to go out and catch the ball. So, you know, I, I like the uh, the ranking of twelve. I think it can definitely, as the season progresses, I, I think that it can go into maybe top ten, top eight in the NFL this year. And that's you know lowballing it right there. I, I think they can be maybe top five at their best, um, but they have to get to that point. So I agree with the ranking of twelve, uh, but I I do see that improving if everything goes well for Cincinnati. I think the best nod they could get is they got the best in the division, and I, I think I agree. Right now, they can make a case for having the best in the division. Um, I think Cleveland got a little snubbed at 13 as well, I'm going to be honest. Um, you know, Should uh, Cleveland be above Cincinnati? The, the, it's a toss-up. 
it's a toss-up between those two. Um, but, you know, just OBJ, Jarvis Landry, you know, Higgins is a good player. They have Austin Hooper, a tight end, who made some good plays last year at times. I mean, they got some weapons in the in the passing game over there. I don't know if they're the best quarterback to deliver them the ball, but they uh, they do have some guys. And that's, so. that's also part of my surprise is why the Giants were higher than Cincinnati because I think, you know, if you also take into factor, you know, the quarterback situation. Well, you can't punish the receivers for their quarterback <laughs> not being good. I guess not. I mean, you can. That just means they don't catch the ball. <laughs> the, the ball doesn't get to them in time. But that's um, if you factor in the quarterbacks, that I, I think you know Cincinnati is better than uh, New York and the Giants, and probably the Jets too. Just New York in general. Where, just out of curiosity, where did they where do they put the uh, the Jets? Are they oh, down I'm at the bottom? Probably have to scroll for a while. Here. <laughs> you, yeah, you have to get all the way down to the bottom. For yeah, that. to me. Um, no, they're not at the bottom. Who, who's got the worst wide receiver? They court? have the Houston Texans with the worst rated. Hmm. Also, That's... this must have been, they must have been working on this article before the, uh, the Titans got Julio because they're down at 29. <laughs> yeah. You're at 28 though. 28? Corey Davis, big off season addition. Other than that, ain't much. At that Barrios guy who's throwing touchdowns last year. Throwing touchdowns? Barry? You don't even watch the games, so God. You're your embarrassment. <laughs> it's been the Sports Fan on 970 97.1 FM WATH, presented by JK Contracting. Thanks for listening in today, and we'll come your way tomorrow. I guess a shortened show ending at 640. Again, Reds are off today, and they take on the Braves at 710 tomorrow. For Joe Medora, this is Connor Mills signing off. I'll see you tomorrow. CBS News is next.